Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks for this morning. We give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks, Lord, for this ninth day of October, the day that we celebrate our Independence Day. We give you praise, Lord, for the years that we have enjoyed independence as a nation. We give you thanks, Lord. We commit our nation to you in prayer this morning. We thank you, Lord, for our country. Thank you, Lord, for the weather that we thank you for the people of Uganda, people that are so hospitable. We thank you, Lord, the young population that we have in this nation. We thank you for the entrepreneurial spirit and mindset of the people of Uganda. We thank you for the fertile soils. We thank you for the climate. We thank you for the wildlife, the fauna, and the flora. We thank you, Lord for the freedom of worship that we enjoy in this nation. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for our leaders. We thank you for our president. We thank you for the first lady. We thank you, Lord, for the cabinet, for the executive, for the judiciary. We thank you, Lord, for the different organs of government. We thank you for the parliament. We thank you for all the leaders up to the lowest level, the LC1. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, there's so many opportunities and partnerships that you've given us as a country with other countries with our neighbors we thank you lord for the peace that we enjoy in this nation we thank you we thank you lord for the developments that have happened in this nation the infrastructure development the discoveries of oil and gas we thank you lord for the farming industry that has grown and continues Lord, to blossom in this nation. We thank you, Lord, for the many things that we have done and the milestones that we have achieved. For the entertainment industry and arts, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the sports fraternity, for our heroes that have continued to give us gold medals at national and international events, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this nation has got a special place in your heart. Lord, we dedicate this nation to you. We commit this country to you. Lord, we surrender this nation to you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for our leaders in the church, Lord, the Archbishop of this of the province of the Church of Uganda, the Right Reverend uh, Samuel Stephen Kazimba Mugalu. We thank you, Lord, for the Bishop of Kampala Diocese, Lord, Dr. Hannington Mutebi. We thank you for the clergy at all saints. We thank you, Lord, for our Provost, uh, Reverend Rebecca Nyegenye. We thank you for the Assistant Provost, uh, Reverend Hilary Jaffo, we thank you, Lord, for all the clergy at, the, at, at all saints, Lord. We commit them to you, that, Lord, you'll continue to bless them, that, Lord, you'll continue to refresh them even as they minister to us, Lord, that they will never lack as they dedicate their lives to serve you, Lord. We thank you for them, and we thank you for the initiatives and ideas that they continue to bring at the cathedral. We thank you, Lord, for the, for the leadership that they have given unto us. Lord, we pray that you'll continue to bless them in all that they do. We give you praise this morning. Lord, we commit our time together this morning. We commit, Lord, our time in your word this morning. We commit our sharing this morning. We pray for stable internet on this call. We pray, Lord, that we shall, even as we enjoy this holiday, Lord, that we shall just enjoy just beginning the day with you, beginning this week with you as we get into this month of October. We commit this to you, Lord, and we pray that you will speak to us, that, Lord, you will encourage our hearts, that, Lord, you will uplift our spirits, that, Lord, we shall walk away edified, we shall walk away ready to walk with you in our day-to-day -day life. We give you thanks, we give you praise, we give you honor, Lord, and we just remember to pray 
for anyone who is on this call and is not feeling well, anyone who is on this call and is having any challenge of any kind, Lord, I pray for peace of heart and peace of mind. We pray for health and wellness. We pray for protection for our loved ones. We pray that, Lord, whatever situation someone may be in this morning, you who knows them, you who knows the, the desires of our hearts, you who knows the situation, you from whom no nothing is hidden, no secret is hidden, all hearts are known, all hearts are open, and all desires are known. Lord, may you reach out to that person. Lord, may you encourage them this morning that this, Lord, will enable them to begin the day knowing that, Lord, even whatever situation, whichever situation they find themselves in, you are still faithful, you are still God, you are still loving, you are still caring, you are still, you are still the God of the Bible that we read and the God of our lives. Lord, I pray that we shall continue to dedicate our lives to you, that, Lord, we shall walk faithfully with you in Jesus' name. And, Lord, now I pray, then as I get into the sharing of this word, that, Lord, you will speak clearly to your people that, Lord, your name will be glorified as we just spend time and sit at your feet this morning. We give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So just to take note that according to the guide, in case you follow the guide, it was supposed to be Carol to the Atemba, but we did a swap and I asked her to take charge of the evening as I do the morning. So... I just take note of that. Carol will be coming on in the evening and I'm doing this right. For the simple reason that I had another engagement so that I could still be able to serve by taking charge of my part. Right. That said, let us let us get into the sharing. So our theme this morning is working with God. Okay, walking with God. And our reference text is Genesis chapter 39 from verse 1 to 23. Genesis chapter 39 from verse 1 to 23. Let me read it. I know it's a familiar portion of the Bible, but let me read it so that as we go through it, it is fresh in your mind. So we are at Genesis, sorry, Genesis chapter 39, not 23. Genesis chapter 39 from verse 1, verse 23. Genesis 39, verse 1 to 23. Read it and uh, beginning at verse 1. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. So the context of this is that Joseph had been sold and uh, so he was taken down to Egypt. And we are told that Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the, in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his, of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had both in the house and in the field. 
So he left Joseph, so he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master did not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with him, or even be, he refused to go to bed with her, or even be with her. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She called him by his clock and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his clock in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his clock in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought here to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, she left, he left his clock beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his clock beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his clock beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those he held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. This is the word of the Lord. Right. I, I thought it was important, uh, much as it's uh, quite a lengthy text, for us to read, because in there there is quite some detail that I think we need to pay attention to. This morning we are going to be reflecting on walking with God, and our quality case study or our example is Joseph. And we're going to look at this in three parts and uh, i'm looking at part one the first bit of it i'll look at what does it mean to walk with god we are talking about walking with god but what does it mean? okay then the second thing we'll then share what are the benefits now that we know what it means to walk with god what do we stand to benefit what are the benefits what do we see are the fruits of walking with god and finally, we shall look at how do we walk with God? How can we walk with God? Kind of that's going to be our roadmap for our devotion this morning. So straight away to the first part where we're looking at what does it mean to walk with God? What does it mean walking with God? When you think about walking with God, in my reflection, I felt... It means living a life of obedience 
God's word. It is walking, okay? living life, living life, but living life not on your terms, living life on God's terms. So walking with God is living a life of obedience, walking in line with what God has decided, with what God has declared in his word. Because for us, the Bible is a manual. See, when you buy a gadget, a gadget, I mean, call it a watch, a phone, a TV, any gadget, it will always come with a user manual. That user manual is the one which helps the user. You know, it is the, it is the manufacturer's guide on how to use this gadget. So in the same way, God, the author of life, has given us a manual. And he is saying, do life like the manual suggests. Just like a manufacturer guides a user on how to use the gadget, our author or our manufacturer in this example, God, has given us a manual, has given us a guide. He has given us a way. He has not just put us somewhere and left us to figure out things on our own. No. He has given us a guide on how to do life. And that guide is the Bible. That manual is the Bible. In fact, some people have called the Bible B-I-B-L-E as basic instruction, you know, before leaving earth, something like that, just to mean that this is a user manual. This is a user guide. This is our compass. This is our direction. This is what shows us what to do on a daily basis. So working with God means living a life of obedience to God's word. The other thing about walking with God, you will notice the word walking. It is a verb. Okay? Walking. It is a doing thing. It is not an event. It's not like saying, I gave my life to Christ in the year 2010. Now, that was an event. It is like a wedding and a marriage. A wedding is an event. Okay, Our wedding happened on the 8th of November 2014. That was an event. No, it happened at 1 p.m. at no sense. That was an event. But the wedding ended that day. However, the marriage is a daily thing. It happens every day. I wake up to my wife. I greet her. We do life together. I serve her. She serves me. We do life together. The wedding is an event. The marriage is a process. In the same way, getting born again is an event. Saying that prayer, you know, is an event. Putting up your hand when they do the altar call is an event. Walking to the altar and receiving Christ, that is an event. Even if you did that in the comfort of your home and you said, God, I choose to believe you from today onwards, forgive my sin, and I recommit my life to you. Now that is an event. That is an event. Walking with God is a doing thing. It is a daily thing. It is a process. It is a process. It is a day-to-day -day process. It is not an event like saying I got saved in the year 2009. Yes, that was the event. But now this is the process. We get we wake up every day to walk with the Lord, morning till evening, from the setting of the sun, eh? from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. We are doing life with God. And for me, I'm looking at it as a doing thing, not merely an event. So I hope that we go beyond 
you know, saying, yeah, I, I gave my life to Christ in the, in the year 1990-something or in the year 2000-something. It is good to have a start. Let us not only be limited to the event. Let us do life with God on a daily basis. It is an ongoing and continuous process of doing life with God daily. And I also want to say, yes, getting saved happens in a day, but walking with God happens daily. If I can say it again, getting saved or coming to Christ happens in a day. It, ha it doesn't even take the whole day. It happens in a moment, in an instant. You just say the prayer and you're saved. You believe and you're saved. That, is, that happens in an instant, in a day. Walking with God happens daily. It happens on a daily basis. And it happens in the ordinary things of life. The ordinary things of life. I mean, when you think about, when you look at this Bible clearly, you realize that the gospel is just a life of Jesus. He is walking from this town to this town. He meets this woman. And then, you know, the woman is bleeding. He, the woman touches her and she receives her deliverance. The, the Bible is a life story of Jesus. It is just a story of how Jesus lived on earth. There were not, he was not going from event to event. In fact, some of these things happened on the way. You know, it's not like there was an event that was planned. Yes, there were those events. But a lot of life happened between the events. It happened on the way to the event. It happened in his normal day-to-day -day life. You know, it happened when they were sitting down and having a conversation with the disciples. When the disciples said, teach us how to pray. These are the normal day-to-day -day life conversations. Normal day-to-day -day events of life. So it happens in the ordinary things. And as we have seen in today's passage, Joseph, Joseph is at work. And he's working with God. Joseph is in prison. He is working with God. You know, so it happens in the ordinary don't wait for extraordinary times. No, walking with God. It's not just that day when you organize something. And no, it is not the big things. It is in the small things. Not even the small things. The ordinary day-to-day -day life at work. The way you do life at home with your family. The way you treat that maid. The way you relate with your workmates. The way you relate with other road users. That is working with God. Walking with God is not reserved for some specific times of, of the day or life. Walking with God is not only when we go to church. Walking with God is not only when, you know, it happens every moment of every day as long as we are alive. Walking with God. We, we don't take a break. We don't go and leave. You know, sometimes you can say that person is away on leave. We don't go away on leave from walking with God. It is like breathing. You cannot take a break from breathing. You cannot say, now, now I'm, I'm on leave. I'm on leave. I'm not going to be breathing, please. No. Walking with God is a daily thing. It happens and it happens in the ordinary things of life. Not the extraordinary events of life. The ordinary things of life. And lastly, on what it means. For me, I'm also looking at it as it's, a re it's more of it's relational and not transactional. Relational, not transactional. What does this mean? Relational means that we relate with God. We relate with God. You know, someone you're in touch with, 
you you connect with them you you are in a relationship you know you you communicate you are in touch you share your thoughts they share your thoughts you are in a relationship when you're married you are in a relationship with your spouse okay that is a relationship now there's a difference between a relationship and a transaction with a transaction you only do things when there is a need transaction you only do things when there is a need there are people who call you and you're thinking ha huh. there are people who call you only when they need something from you now that is more of a transactional connection than a relationship a relationship is back and forth to and fro ongoing whether there is something big or not something big you are still in touch it is i think it's important that we connect with god from a relational standpoint not a transaction standpoint sometimes we treat god like you know you only go to god when you need something you only go to god when you need something there are people who call you and the moment you see their call you're like ah, now what hmm? now what that is a transaction but when you just call in to say just checking in to say hi just checking on you to say hello that is the relationship we are talking about relationship working with god in relationship not merely transaction what does it mean it means living a life of obedience it means doing life with god as a process it means living with god in the ordinary day to day life things and it means being in a relationship with god not merely being transactional with god so that is what it means to walk with god now moving on what are the benefits of walking with god there are many things that we see in this passage of scripture what are the benefits of walking with god and the first thing i want to say is that walking with god enables us to become successful and prosperous I just want to add there a very important thing not as the world defines success as God defines success I think in this passage we see a new definition of success because many times when we think about success and prosperity we are thinking about you know acquiring all these material things but when you look at this passage that we have just read Genesis 39 in verse 2 this is what it says the lord was with joseph now this is when he was working in potiphar's house potiphar's house now if you're to break it down probably you would think that joseph was like a someone who was serving in the house really serving in the house maybe a house boy just one of the servants around the house so you can imagine what someone does in the house maybe cleaning organizing things just being taking charge of the house not a big deal of a job but we are told that the lord was with joseph so that he prospered we are told that joseph prospered in a job that was not highly you know a big job if i might call it that someone the way we say in uganda someone has landed a big job joseph prospered even when he was not on a big job a new definition of, of success in verse 23 joseph is now put in prison under false accusation In verse 23 we are told that the Lord was with Joseph and he gave him success in whatever he did. Now the question is how do you prosper and become successful in prison? Have you ever thought about that? How do you prosper when you are merely working as an ordinary person? 
Sometimes we think that prosperity and success happen when we land a dream job. Everyone would say, what is your dream job? Probably everyone here has got a dream job or something that you dream of doing in a big way. But while we think that we become prosperous and successful when we land that job, I also want to remind you that you become prosperous and successful in your current state. In fact, faithfulness at your current level is what opens the door for the next level. So there is a new perspective to prosperity and success. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 to 9, God, God is telling Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. You may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Full stop. And then the next sentence says, then you will be prosperous and successful. In other words, when you do all the above, then you will be prosperous and successful. And again, I want to add, prosperous and successful, not as the world has defined it, but as God defines it. And you can see there is a total shift from the way we define success and prosperity and the way the Bible looks at success and prosperity. How I pray that we shall begin to look at success and prosperity in a new way. Because Joseph was prosperous and successful in prison. He was prosperous and successful in an ordinary job. Not a big job, an ordinary job. How can we become prosperous and successful on our, in our current state? That is a benefit of working with God. So in other words, when you work with God, you will embrace this new definition of success and prosperity. The second benefit of working with God is that it wins us favor before men. There is a special favor. In fact, there's a scripture that says, when you when you are right with God, He will He will make He will bring you favor before your enemies. Something I am just paraphrased it. You know, you 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 receive favor before men. That's what of this passage, Genesis 39. We are told that Joseph found favor in the eyes of uh Potiphar's servant. Okay. In his eyes, he came his attendance. Sorry. Pharaoh's servant, Potiphar, sorry. He found favor in Potiphar's eyes. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. That is favor. When we walk with God, we find favor before other people. And I know there will be experiences of people here that have experienced favor. Favor. You know, just because you're walking right with God, you were preferred compared to others. Walking right with God, you win favor. You win favor. Okay. They, they, an example of how I received favor. I remember one time going for an interview. So I trained, my original training is in mechanical engineering. Okay. So I go for this interview and they needed a sales engineer. Someone who had experience in mechanical engineering and also had a background in mechanical engineering and experience in sales because the job was about selling engineering equipment. So I go for this job and they ask me a question. What is the prime mover of a generator? Now, while I'm thinking about this question, while I'm thinking about the answer, I realize I've not even understood the question. So in my mind, I said, these people know whatever they're asking me. So if I start forging things, 
they will i will leave it, i will make it worse so i said uh, i don't know okay then they asked me another question i also said i don't know they asked me a third question and i was still i don't know now in my heart of hearts i knew now here the interview has ended i mean let me just finish up and walk out because now honestly why would you hire someone who does not know the basics then the hr on that panel said but just are you a mechanical engineer i said yes i am the only thing is that i've not been practicing ever since i graduated I'd give me an opportunity and i will prove myself now there was something in the way i said those words i don't know that just put me favor before this panel the next thing they did then they began to ask me they said so what have you been doing i said i've been running my personal business so i'm more fluent in the language of business and how to identify needs and how to qualify them and how to close deals but in terms of the technical aspects of the actual engineering i have not been practicing so i may not be well conversant with some of the terms i think they appreciated the honesty i think they appreciated a number of things and then they began to ask me about my sales experience how i can identify a need how i can close a deal next thing i know he called me for a third interview which was a confirmatory and i got the job now sometime on the job my manager told me that you know just that day when you came to the office for the interview there were people who came earlier and they answered all the questions that we asked but there was something about you that we just felt you would be a good fit for us think about it that is favor that even when you're not the most qualified hey, you get the opportunity that even when you do not when you're not the best candidate on paper somehow god opens that door and you are a perfect fit for this institution so god we, we win favor before man that's just an example of how god grants us favor the third benefit of working with god is we are able to influence others in verse 5 to 6 of uh, genesis 39 we are told that from the time he put him in charge of the household and of all that he owned the lord blessed the household of the egyptian now because the lord was with joseph god blessed where joseph was working so even the potiphar's house you know potiphar's business we are told even his crops you know because god was with joseph the blessing of the lord was on everything potiphar had both in the house and in the field now all factors constant as we used to say in physics the only difference is who has come into this household and the difference maker was Joseph now because God was with Joseph everything around him just began to boom you know there was so many potiphar's house potiphar's crops potiphar's you know we are told the blessing of the lord was on everything potiphar had both in the house and in the field so potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge he did not need to he did not concern himself with anything except the food on his plate the food he ate so one thing for sure is that we cannot be we cannot walk with god and life around us remains the same there is something wrong with that equation that you are walking right with god you cannot walk with god you cannot be a believer and everything around you no one feels you no one feels your presence no one feels your influence no one feels your impact we are told that we are at the light of the world and the salt of the earth we must be difference makers You know so the question I want to pose here is this how is your work with God influencing those around you how is the fact that you are a believer influencing how does your neighbor feel that oh 
there is a believer across that fence, how do they feel it? How is your work with God influencing those that you work with at the office? How, how can they tell? What impact are they feeling? You see, Potiphar felt the impact when Joseph came into his household because the Lord was with Joseph and Potiphar's business, Potiphar's household, everything began to prosper. How are people around you impacted because of your work with God? It could be in the love that you share with them. It could be in the kindness. It could be your patience with them. It could be your generosity. I remember when I was on campus, there was a boy who used to play loud music. My goodness. He would turn on the volume on his in his room. And he used to, all of us had a room of our own. This guy used to stay in his room. He would turn the volume on. He Even though he would close the door, the doors would begin to vibrate because of the music. It was so uncomfortable. You could not read because the music next door is just too loud. And then one day, the miracle happened. The boy got saved. Let me tell you, we enjoyed peace. We enjoyed peace because now salvation <laughs> had come. So you cannot come to Christ and life around you, the people living around you, life is business as usual. No, it has to be business unusual. There has to be a difference. You cannot be in the Lord and the people around you don't feel it. You cannot be a silent Christian or as the Bishop of South Ankole. Hmm? I think it is Nathan Ahimsiba calls it submarine Christians. No, we cannot be submarine Christians. Christians who are like submarines. But you know a submarine can be in the water and you don't know it. So let us not be submarine Christians. Let us not be people like the Kodemas who, who, who walk at night. No. Let us put on our faith like the way we have our faith. <laughs> okay. Yes. Let us put on our faith like the way we cannot hide our face. Let us walk with God and let the people around us feel that there is a believer next door. And for sure, my life is different because of that person. Maybe because of the way you relate with them, the way you extend your love to them. Do something. Your faith cannot be silent. Your faith, just like your face cannot be hidden, your faith should not be hidden. Number four. Benefits of working with God, better quality of life. Recently, I saw a sticker on a car. <laughs> and this really got me thinking. The sticker was saying, get saved and escape hell. Okay? Get saved and escape hell. Now, when I looked at it, I said, okay, this, this is true. Yes, when you get saved, you escape hell. That's true. But, you see, we are not only getting saved to go to heaven. Because we are still here. We are still on earth. So yes, we are going to heaven, but where are we? We are on earth. So in fact, John 17, 3 says, now this is eternal life. Because eternal life does not begin when we die. But eternal life does not start in heaven. No. Eternal life starts here. John 17, 3 says, now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life begins with knowing God. Eternal life begins with accepting Christ. There is a better quality of life, even here on earth, before we escape here, maybe up there, you know, not up. <laughs> but the life after. Yes, in addition to escaping hell, because I think when we are only thinking about, you know, escaping hell, then we there is something we miss. 
I think there is a better quality of life when you walk with God. Think about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, which means you'll have more love, you'll have more joy, you'll have more self-control, you'll, you'll have more goodness. I mean, the quality of life. When you walk with God, even while you're still on earth, before we get to heaven, is good. Working with God brings a better quality of life. That when there is a lot of anxiety around you, and you're in your, for you, you are having a life of joy. I mean, look at the Egyptians much later uh, when the Hebrews were in Egypt. You know, on the Egyptian side, it was dry. On the on the side of the Hebrews, it was, you know, the, the plants were flourishing. So there is a better quality of life when we walk with God than when we don't. So in other words, we don't only get saved with heaven. We also get saved while we are still here so that we can have a greater influence, greater impact. That's why we get saved and we are still on earth. Otherwise, we would get saved and we just die and go. But there is a reason why we are still here so that we can impact the world around us and walk with God and have a better quality of life, a better marriage, where you are more patient with your spouse, where you have more self-control, where you, you know, you are good to those around you. That, for me, is a better quality of life. The last thing I will say about the benefits of working with God is that it enables us to stand up under temptation. Working with God enables us, it empowers us. We are empowered we are empowered to walk under, to, to, to stand up under temptation. First Corinthians 13 tells us that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. That was one of the first scriptures I memorized in the uh, navigator. It made a lot of sense for me. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up and reach. God enables us to stand temptation. And in this passage of scripture, we see the temptation that 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 Joseph got. For most men, for most in most of life, it's the other way around. It is the man pursuing the, the woman. In this case, it is the opposite. And I can imagine that it must have been really, really hard for him. You know? So it enables us to stand up under temptation. Someone once said that if, if you don't meet the devil, if you're a believer and you don't meet the devil, then most likely you are moving in the same direction. Because, <laughs> think about it, as long as you are doing life with God, you have an enemy, you have an opposing person, and that is the devil. So, when we talk about temptation, no one is immune. Being a believer does not shield us from obstacles and hardships. It only insulates us from them. Think about it. Being a believer does not take away the, the, the challenges. No. I think it is, it is a wrong perspective to think that because I am a believer, because I am working well with God, I will not face any of these uh, challenges and obstacles. No. No. Please. Don't, don't be mistaken. We all face them. We all do. Think about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They had to be thrown in the fire. But what is interesting about that, that passage is that God did not take away the fire. You know what he did? He showed up for them in the fire. He showed up for them in the fire. 
when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, God did not stop that from happening, but he was with him in the lion's den. So what we are learning is that working with God will not take away the challenges, but it will enable us to experience God even in the challenges. Even in the challenges. I still remember, I still remember attending the funeral service of Dr. Solomon in Kesiga. And I remember the first words that Reverend Diana said as soon as she stood up to make her eulogy. And Reverend Diana said, friends, I now see God. I now see God. And for me, what those words mean is that believers, it's not that believers will not face grief. No, that God will be with believers in times of grief. Don't be mistaken. Because I got saved, oh, no more challenges, my friend. The challenges will be there. But the difference between you and someone who is not born again is that for you, in the middle of grief, in the middle of challenge, in the middle of hardship, in the middle of I don't know what, you will say, like Reverend Diana, now I see God. So that's the difference that it makes. The devil will never stop pursuing us. In fact, even for Jesus in Luke 4, 13, it says, when the devil had finished all this tempting and he had failed, remember, he left him until an auction time. So the devil tried and failed and it said that it said the devil left Jesus not forever. The devil left him until an auction time. And the devil keeps looking for us. So we need to beware that Coming to Christ, walking with God does not mean that we shall not face challenges. Please, they will come. Our loved ones may not be well. God is still there. And I, I, don't, I don't agree with people who think that when you come to Christ, these challenges that we face, it means we don't believe. Really? No. We believe that this is life. God enables us to do life even in the midst of those challenges. A little bit of recap on what are the benefits. Number one, we have said it enables us to become successful and prosperous with a new definition of success and prosperity. Secondly, we win favor before men. Thirdly, we have said it enables us to influence and impact those around us. And four, we have said it gives us a better quality of life. Even here, better quality. And better quality, I'm not talking about, you know, no. Better quality simply means the quality of the life, you know, the joy, the patience, the, the fruit of the spirit. That alone is a better quality of life. And number five, we have said it enables us to stand up under temptation. And we said no one is immune. Let's get to the final part as we now reflect on how do we walk with God? How do we walk with God? I just want to share five big things and then we'll wrap it up. Number one, to walk with God. Number one, we need to be in the world. Earlier on, we said that working with God is living in obedience with God. Now, what we want to just add is, you cannot walk in obedience with what you don't know. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Now, what do feet do? Feet walk. What is a path? The way in which we walk. So, we need to be in the word in order for us to walk right with God. We need to be in the word. And whenever you read that Bible, 
whenever you open that Bible, when I know someone who said, no, Bible, no breakfast before Bible. You know, no breakfast before Bible. So if you have not had your Bible time, maybe you don't qualify to have breakfast. Well, you, we need to have some mechanisms that are going to make it possible for us to go to the world so that you don't only carry your Bible on Sunday when you're coming to church. So that you don't, you know, we, we need to make, we need to be, we need to cultivate time with God in the world. Quiet time. You know, that quiet time. There is a study I'm part of called Every Man a Warrior. And it's a study, a Bible study for men. The number one thing is the one thing. You know, the first thing in book one is your quiet time. That men who walk right with God do life better than men who don't. So we need time in the world. So the question for me is, how committed are you to your personal quiet time? And when you read that Bible, how do you apply it to your life? How do you apply what you read? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. In fact, there is a song that around that, that, that scripture. So let us read the word so that we can take that what we read and apply it in our life. That's how we can walk with God. We walk with God by following his instruction. It is like the way a pilot follows a compass. A pilot does not just fly on his common sense. No, he follows the coordinates. If he's flying from Entebbe to Johannesburg, he follows. Otherwise, he will find himself in Dubai. He might find himself in Cameroon. You have to follow the coordinates. You have to follow the compass. You don't just fly on your terms. You fly based on what the compass says you fly to. So in the same way, we, we have to use our compass direction here is the Bible. We cannot afford to be casual with our time in the world. Sometimes we wake up and the first thing we do, what's up? We wake up and the first thing we do, the newspaper. We wake up and the first thing we do, TV. We wake up and the first thing, I don't know. But on our wedding, someone gave me a gift of a Rishiga hymn book. And uh, then he circled the number and he said, this is my good parent. He wrote it in Ritiga Rinyankore. He said, Nakha 13. Now, he, that means I have given you like him number 13. Now, him number 13 says, Kori mukumu kasheshe otabanze mirimo obanzo shome echitabo charuhang. What does it mean? It means when you wake up in the morning, don't start with work. Begin by reading the word of God. That's what that team says, you know? So we need to be in the work. Prioritize your time in the word of God. That's number one. Number two, we need to fear the Lord. Having a holy reverence. We see in this particular passage that we have read about Joseph. Joseph in verse 9 said, How can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? What is interesting is that Joseph did not even say, How can I sin against my master, your husband? How can I sin against myself? No. He said, How can I do such a thing? Sin against how I pray that you remember when someone brings you a deal that says, Man, sign here and we shall share. Remember, how can I do such a thing and sin against God? When your wife is away on duty, you are at home and you have that girl walking around the house. Remember, ask yourself, How can I do such a thing and sin against God? When you're on the road and the policeman stops you and he tells you, did you see those double lines? You were not supposed to overtake. And because you have overtaken, I'm going to give you a fine 
of 100,000 shillings. Before you give that fine, ask yourself, how can I do such a thing and sin against the Lord? Before you sign that statement that you know is not supposed to be signed, ask yourself, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against the Lord? When we have a holy fear of God, it will influence the way we do life. Number, number three, sensitivity and awareness. That in whatever we do, we are doing it for the Lord. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, and it goes on to say, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Let us remember, and by the way, I want to just pause here and say that as believers, we don't have a good track record in the marketplace. I can tell you that. We do not have a good track record in the marketplace. We don't. We don't. And it's not good because the God we serve is a God of excellence. And we need to be diligent. We need to be diligent. In fact, someone said that when he sees on the CV of someone and they have put born again Christian, he just gets that CV and throws it in the bin. Why? Because over time, there are believers that are not doing their best at work. We are not diligent. We are not working hard. We are not going an extra mile to serve the customer. You know, we are doing other things at work instead of doing what to customer. We need to remember that when we are we are not just working for our supervisors and our line managers and our bosses and our no, we are working for the Lord. So we need to see work as an act of worship. We need to see work as an act of worship. We need to see work as an act of worship. When you are working, work. When you are working, work. Please, when you are at work, work. Sometimes I challenge audiences that I speak to and I ask if there was a meter tied to you, and this meter was to read. How much time you spend doing work-related tasks? So in other words, making that call to a client, that it reads that one. Making that presentation, it reads that one. But when you're checking your Facebook, it doesn't read. When you're just moving around, it doesn't read. When you are doing things that are not related to work, it doesn't read. How much time would that meter read? It is unfortunate that out of eight hours of a work day, you might be shocked to find that we only work for one hour. Productive time spent doing our work-related tasks. So we need to have the sensitivity that while you cannot be work with God and be sloppy at work, we need to have the spirit of excellence, the spirit of diligence, the spirit of a strong work. We need to be productive as believers. Number four, how do we work right with God? Just to do the right thing, even when it might put you in trouble. You know, I was thinking about this passage of scripture, verse 10, which says that Potiphar's wife kept asking Joseph day after day, but he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Now, this is something that could have got Joseph fired. I mean, he could have got him fired. He was risking his, his, his position by not giving it to her advance. So the question is, are we re willing to do the right thing even when you know it might put you in trouble? Let us choose to do the right thing all the time. And last but not least, number five, fellowship with other believers. It will help us to walk right with God. Fellowship with other believers. In teamwork, we say, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. 
fellowship with believers. And where did I pick this? I just kept wondering, where did Joseph get his convictions from? Because we know the family Joseph comes from. We know how they are, we know the brothers. His brothers were not really, they were not so committed to God's things the way himself he was. But the only way I could find it in an earlier chapter, I think it is Genesis 37, when we are told about the account of Joseph, we are told that the father loved him so much. And probably, and this is just my assumption, probably because the father loved him so much, he might have spent more time with him. And in the process of spending time with Joseph, he might have passed down his faith, his belief, his convictions about God. Probably Jacob, from the encounters that he had with God. You remember Jacob at Bethel, that dream he had when God spoke to him and passed on the promise to him? You remember when he wrestled with uh, with, with with a man at, uh, what was it called? I think at Peniel. I think those encounters, Jacob's encounter with God must have rubbed off. Who do you spend your time with? Blessed is the man who walks in the council, you know, of the, of the godly. He does not sit in the seat of the mockers or, you know, that some. So the question is, who are you spending time with? He who walks with the wise will become wise. He who walks with the righteous will become righteous. So friends, let us be encouraged to walk right with God. Walk right with God by being in his word, by having a holy reverence for him, by being sensitive and aware that in all that you do, you're doing it for the Lord. Choosing to do the right thing, even when it might land you in trouble, and then doing fellowship with other believers. In conclusion, let us commit ourselves to walk right with God. Let us be ready to pay the price of walking right with God. Let us stand out as believers and walk right with God. Loving Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the lesson. We thank you for the reflection. We thank you, Lord, for challenging our thoughts, challenging our hearts on the area of walking with you. Just looking at Joseph and how he devoted his life to walk with you. Lord, I pray that for the many things that we have shared, Lord, I pray that you will help us. Lord, I pray that you will empower us. Lord, I pray that you will give us the strength to stand up under temptation. Lord, I pray that we shall be diligent. Lord, I pray that we shall that we shall walk with you, that we shall walk in obedience with your word. Lord, I pray that we shall be the light of this world and the salt of this earth. Lord, I pray that our impact as believers will be felt the way Potiphar's household and business were impacted by the presence of Joseph. Lord, I pray that you will be with us, you will guide us, you will you will, you will walk with us. Even when we face temptation, as we have seen today, you empower us to stand up under temptation. And so, Lord, may you be with us as we go through the rest of this day, as we memorize and recognize our independence. As a nation, I pray that, Lord, we shall walk right with you. A nation that was dedicated for God and my country. Lord, I pray that we shall put this nation back to its place. Give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen.